Welcome back to the podcast, Steve Sully Study. I'm at my second home in Mayfair, Woodbury House Art Gallery, and we've got my friend, my brother. It's been a long time, mate. Too many years, and I'm up here looking at all this art. I'm like, okay, can I focus? <laughs> um, Rashad, hard to hit Holloway. Thank you very much for coming to see us at Woodbury House. Finally, right? Thank you very much for reaching back out and. Um, Absolute pleasure getting your podcast, even though it's going to be a brief episode. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I got kids. We got to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, first, first of all, before I talk about boxing and your career and stuff, what do you think of the, the gallery? What do you think of the artists? You know, um, obviously, the retinas and stuff like that. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I can't even really speak on it. Like, I, I respect artwork. It's just, it's crazy. Like, I can't even focus and stop looking. No, I'm serious. Yeah. Like, I, I knew you had one of these spots, but I didn't know it was like this. Like the artwork here is amazing. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I just it, really got into art over the past few years. Like I'm not I'm not anywhere near this level. Like I bought me a couple of three and five thousand dollar paintings and I, I thought I was doing something and I'm like, okay. Yeah. There, I'm about to up my game. There's definitely multiple levels in the art world. I mean, no, this is even small fry. I mean, if you look at the baskets that sell for a yeah. hundred million at, at plus. No. It's just crazy. It's a crazy world. No, it is. But I stay in my lane. You know what I mean? I respect art. Like, you know, I think at the end of the day, if you have money to invest and you really do your research, a lot of these pieces are really worth it. Definitely. So before I introduce you a bit more, I'm going to tell the audience a quick story. Anyway, <laughs> it's the first and it's, it was, it's been the last time since this ever happened. I've been to Vegas a few times to watch boxing fights and we went over there and I, I yeah. met up with you. And we had a really good time over there. Anyway, I was going to catch a flight back to LA. And you said, oh, you're driving. If you wait a few hours, I'm going to drive back. It's going to be about three hours. And we're going to drive through through the desert. If you've never seen it, you, you should do it because it's really, really cool. And you had a Mustang. And I thought, how American is this? You know, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm with a professional fighter going from Vegas to LA in a Mustang car. A convertible. Through, convertible. In a con 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 convertible in the blistering heat. And when <laughs> no. am I ever going to get there to do this again? So no. I said, I'm definitely going to do it. For sure. Hopped in the car and I think we needed, after about an hour, to either get some petrol gas for a piss or some, some food or something. And I remember veering off in the car um, down the slip road and it was called Ghost Town like the Twilight Zone like yeah. the Twilight Zone for real and I remember going okay yeah we're going to stop it everything else and as we pulled up you went you looked round and you were like I can't stop here I was like well, what do you mean like, there's no one here let's just go in and you turned around to me and went I can't stop here <laughs> and it was at that moment it clicked yeah. and I was just like what? Like, it, 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 it didn't make any sense to me, at, 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 you know, until you actually said that to me. And I, for some reason, I always, always remember that. It was like a really weird moment. I was thinking, why can't we stop it? And then you said it to me and I thought, okay. Yeah, okay. you got it. Yeah. But you know, it's it. so different for you out here. Like, Yeah, like, it's different. Like here, like I was just telling, telling my family this, like it's so diverse. Like I love this country because it's, it's just English. Like you see... Every ethnicity you can think of, and everybody mingles, cohabitates. Like, America, we're so far behind. Like, everybody looks up to us in so many ways. And I'm not going to lie, every country has its perks and every country has its negatives. But I think one of the major negatives that people don't focus on with America is how behind we really are. But here we are. Like, I don't go all into the politics, but we're a country built off slavery. So at the end of the day, you all are oh, light years ahead of us just with seeing just just different races and people mingling and at the end of the day everybody's just English and it's just a vibe and energy I get from London that you won't see anywhere else in the world so I love it yeah so yeah 
back to what I was saying, we got ghost towns, you all don't. So, <laughs> so yeah, you get it now. So, um, to introduce you, you're called Rashad Hard to Hit Holloway, yeah. former pro boxer. In actual fact, when I say former, have you actually even announced a retirement? I think I did on BoxingScene.com a okay. while ago. Yeah, I think I did. Because when I, I was did. looking at your record, 16 fights, 12 wins, right? No. Five KOs? No, 17. 17. So I got five that were in Australia that weren't marked. So 17, I was 17, two and two, 21 fights. Nice. Yeah. Um, and first question then, why are you called hard to hit? I was very hard to hit. I think, didn't me and you spar? We did. Yeah, we <laughs> sparred in my later years. Yeah, yeah. But nah, that was my thing. Like, the way I grew up boxing, it was kind of like a slick way of fighting. You know, we like to stand in front of a guy, make a miss and make him pay. And, you know, some of us got certain attributes and I had pretty good eyes and I was quick. That was, that was like my style. When I was over in LA, Ruben Tabarez hooked me up with you to yeah. do some personal training, some, some boxing, some circuits, some sparring. And you took me to three different gyms. And one of them was always on my goals list to, to go and see. It's had all the champions in there and it's probably the most famous for Manny Pacquiao, yep. a, wild, a wild card gym over in uh, LA. And Freddie Roach is the head coach over there. So he was your former coach. Yeah, he was my coach. Yeah. yeah. What was it like to be underneath Freddie Roach? Freddie, oh man, Freddie's just a, Freddie really is just a good person, man. Like it's just hard to really like, me and Freddie still have a relationship where we're still tight. I call him up, I go by the gym and Freddie doesn't even want to talk about boxing, just life and he'll just shoot the shit with you just any given day. like. To be able to be up under somebody who has so many champions from Mike Tyson, Oscar De La Hoya, Manny Pacquiao, he trained them all. But it's just him as a person, like when he really cares about you, he cares about you. And it's not even like having your coach after a while, it's like having a friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? So to seek the guidance, to be able to to hear from him, like, yeah, you got what it takes. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's, it's uplifting because you know he's been around the best. But it's just the overall bond with him, like, to this day. Like I said, we're still yeah. super tight. Yeah, so I'm blessed coach. in that aspect. Yeah, no, 100%. Just a great person. Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. Um, I saw some footage or some images online where you were sparring him. And I've got to be honest, you gave him a very clean dig. <laughs> and not many people can actually say they've landed good clean punches on Manny Pacquiao he's a super fighter very very quick what was it like to share the ring even though it was only sparring yeah. sharing the ring with Manny Pacquiao I mean it was a blessing like Manny Pacquiao himself is is a legend you know what I mean Manny's a legend in boxing and to be honest I don't think I was well I know I wasn't shell shocked the first time we sparred it was like I had something to prove like coming from where I come from I come from a boxing city so I'm originally from Cincinnati Ohio the home of Adrian Broner, Aaron Pryor, Ezra Charles, Tony Tubbs. Like, I come from a real boxing city, you know what I mean? So for us, we saw the best of the best. I fought the best of the best in the amateurs all over the world and in the amateurs too as well, you know, internationally. So for me, I was a big underachiever. Like, for me, it was like boxing was a way of life for me. I kind of fell out of love for the sport, like, in my pro career due to mishaps, mismanagements, bad promotional deals. But... I was that guy that was always talented that everybody knew. I was always top three in the amateurs. Anybody knew on any given day, I'd beat anybody. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So for me, it was more so I never looked up to those guys in that aspect. The only fighters I ever really looked up to, like that were my idols, were Sugar Ray Leonard was my number one. I looked up to Ali, of course, Joe McClellan, and I was a huge Mike Tyson fan as a kid. So I respected all fighters, but... I never believed any of them could beat me. So anytime I got in the ring with any of them, from Shane Mosey, Manny Pacquiao, like any of them, I always felt like I had something to prove. And I knew in any given day, I could outdo any of them. Mm. 
being British, Amir Khan was at Wildcard for a yeah. long time. He was world champion under Freddie Roach, sadly lost it against Danny Garcia with that horrible left hook yeah. and it just made him go Bambi. Yeah. Um, up and close and personal with um, Amir Khan, what was he like to be in the same kind of camp and in the same in the same gym? I mean, Amir Amir came to the gym kind of like you know he was a phenom coming out of the Olympics and everything. And when he came over to us, I mean, Wildcard was like a uh, like a close knit family. We all knew each other. We all we all were close from every actor that came in the gym, every regular Joe that came in there to work out, every top pro every top amateur, you know, world champ, contender prospect, like we were all one click. So it was like when he came in, it was kind of like, okay, we got a newbie coming in and all right, Amir Khan, so what, who cares? But I got to know Amir, I got to know his uncle Tazzy, his dad, and we became real close. And I'm not gonna lie, hands down, Amir Khan is the fastest guy I've ever been in the ring with. I'm gonna be honest, Amir was an exceptional talent. Like. All fighters have their flaws. You know, you can say what you want about Amir Khan. He achieved a lot, but that dude, and I was a speedster, that dude, I've never seen anybody make Manny Pacquiao a bobblehead doll, make me a bobblehead doll. Like, it was like when you got in with Amir, you did not realize how fast he was until you did. It took me like a round to adjust, like, okay, I got to punch with him. Like, I'm actually in here with somebody faster than me. Do have blazing hand speed and just honestly, just a good dude. Like Amir, Amir and me have always been cool. Like every now and then, like we'll see each other in America, catch up. I go to his old hookah bar all the time. Him and his old business partner, like we're real good friends, so I'm always there. You know, I catch up with him every now and then. I get a WhatsApp from him or I WhatsApp him. Just a very good dude. I think I remember the old business partner, American guy, right? Long hair? Did he have long hair? Dark, dark. He had another guy and then he, he, another one of his buddies, Ali. So yeah. Ali, shorter hair. He actually partied with us in Vegas. You probably don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he partied with us in Vegas. We went to a club called One Oak together. For for p p people who won't know this, but Rashad doesn't drink really. And yeah, uh, anyway, this one time he said he was going to go for it. And he went, well, let's go to the bar. <laughs> anyway, he's ordered all these shots. And we, we're going through the rounds of shots. Probably yeah. done about five or six, Bro, very, very we quickly. Had a lot. Yeah, we had anyway, a lot. it worked out that he was ordering water for for himself, and I was drinking the most powerful whatever it was. Mate, I was I was hey, in a bad way. I'm gonna be honest. I don't know who you were or where you were, and I don't think you did either. I couldn't get one word out of you, <laughs> but you got to the room safe. Yeah, we all got back yeah. safe. We had a hell of a time, and we got memories, man. That's the thing about life. Like as we get older, all we got are memories. You know what I mean? And those are things that we can always look back at and laugh at. Like look at us now. Yeah, I'm in London. I'm in your town. I hit you up. You know what I mean? We haven't seen each other in what almost a, a decade. Like Probably. it's been a long time. Probably. And you know, that's that's just something that we we'll always have. That's a bond we we'll always have in memories, man. Definitely. That's how life works. Quick, quick question then. Okay, Manny Pacquiao, Mayweather. They obviously fought 2017. I think it was. Yeah. Obviously, May, Mayweather won the fight. Your my question to you. You know them both. You know mm -hmm. Mayweather, Floyd yeah. Mayweather Jr., yeah. and you know Manny Pacquiao. Peel back the time, five years, 10 years, so let's say 2007, who would have won that fight, Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao in 2007? I used to say all the time, Manny. Um, that's because I really shared the ring with Manny. Manny was a guy that <clears throat> you had to go in the ring with Manny a few times to really understand him. He did everything wrong, textbook-wise, and it worked. Like, you couldn't really prepare for Manny Pacquiao. But Floyd is such a special specimen. Like, 
This dude adapts. Like, I'll, I'll give you a prime example. Look how old he was when he fought Canelo and Canelo's prime. Like, yeah, you can say, oh, Canelo got better over the years. Yeah, but he was as fast as he's ever been, as strong as he's ever been. Like, and Floyd just made him look like he didn't even belong in the ring. Like, Floyd's a, like, like Floyd, his boxing IQ is on another level. I think if they fought back then, you would have saw a totally different fight. I always said Manny would have beat him hands down, but as I get older and I look at things, it would have been, I would say, a 60-40 fight. 60 Floyd, 40 Manny, but I guarantee you, Manny would have really shown up. Like Whoever won that fight, I'll still would maybe lean and say Floyd just because of his boxing IQ. He does whatever it takes to win. He doesn't care if he has to just use a jab. He knows how to win a fight. And it's only a few fighters I've ever seen do that. He's one of them. Andre Ward's another. And Terrence Crawford. It's only a few special fighters I've ever seen to be able to make those adjustments. And Floyd definitely. Miguel Cotto told me this best. Me and Miguel are talking. And I remember I bet on the Andre Berto fight with Floyd because I was always like, oh, somebody's going to catch Floyd. And he told me don't do it. I said, why? He said, Floyd is special. He said, I can never hit him with the same punch twice. He said, I've never seen a fighter like that in my life. It's incredible. He was right. I want to ask you a question then. My friend fought in an exhibition re uh, relatively recently in London, a guy called Aaron Chalmers against Floyd. He was a last minute opponent. Obviously, Floyd's been doing this campaign now, doing the exhibitions, and one of the biggest ones he's done was against Logan Paul. As a pro boxer, lived and breathed that, the whole life, you dedicated your life to, towards okay. it. What is your opinion about someone like Floyd now going into this world of YouTube boxing exhibitions? Is it a good thing for boxing or is it a bad thing? I mean, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. And my opinion is bad for boxing. I think that there's a market for it. Like, I don't knock anybody who puts on their gloves and gets in the ring because you're risking your life, you know? Like, the YouTube fighters is misfit boxing. Like, I respect the route that they're going as far as, like, having their own league. I respect that. But when you get to putting those guys with professional boxers, no. I personally feel like Floyd, at the end of the day, he has his own thing. I, I don't know. It's not my business, but... Some guys don't know how to leave the limelight. Like, you know, some guys don't know how to walk away. And I feel like Floyd just, he can't get over being away from the sport and the lights. And there's so much about him that he can't hang it up. And so it's this, like an addiction. It, oh, 100%. Like, like, like fame is the biggest addiction in the world. Like Michael Jordan, if you watch interviews, they say they miss hearing the crowd. They miss it. Like, it's a, it's a feeling that people can't really, a normal person couldn't understand. So I feel like Floyd just can't walk away. Do I feel like he's so talented he can continue to do it? Yeah, but at the end of the day, as you get older, things happen. What I would hate to see is him get clipped by one of these guys. And I don't think it'll ever ruin his legacy, but it's allowing guys that don't come from our world and our sport to be able to, have bragging rights and say this and say that and be disrespectful about something that we give our lives to. I've lost friends to boxing, you know what I mean? So do I think there should be leagues for these guys? 100%, like the misfit boxing, all that, I agree. But these guys should never mix with professional boxing. You know, that's my personal opinion. One, one guy I will say I respect, Jake Paul, say what you want about him. That guy trains like a professional fighter. He has a guy like Jaleon Love, a good friend of mine I've known since young. He used young. to be part of the money team, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I, I was I'm glad you brought this up because I forgot about this. There must be some beef there between Mayweather and Jaleon. No, no, no. I mean, at, at the end of the day, this is the reality. Jaleon is doing what he's supposed to. He's looking out for Jaleon, and Jaleon is 
making sure that his his future for him and his family is okay. Floyd makes sure he's okay. Like, if you look, it's not too many long-term, long-term people around Floyd. You know what I mean? Like, after a while, you start to see them all go, new people come and go. And whatever reason that is, Jelion saw something, saw opportunity for himself, and he took it. And it's actually smart because say what you want about Jake Paul, and I wasn't sold on him in the beginning, that dude, I watched him. Trains like a professional fighter, has real professional people around him. Call him cocky, call him arrogant. You cannot like his attitude because I don't. <clears throat> but that dude's work ethic, bar none, he gets my respect as a real fighter. I'm going to be honest, like he trains like a real fighter. Unlike you, you all these other guys. No, I don't know him. I mean, yeah, I've seen him in the gym quite a few times. And to be honest, when I did, I was kind of a dick because I didn't like him and I didn't agree with what he was doing and I didn't agree with the way I saw it going. But over a while, just watching him and his work ethic, I got nothing but respect for that guy. Like, I would literally see him shake his hand. and I respect him because he really lives the life of a real fighter. And yeah. it shocked me. Like, to watch what Jillian and them, like, to watch what they transformed and became, you got to respect it. Like, he really trains like a real fighter. I respect any man that, that, that can really do it the right way, and he does it the right way. Did it, do I... Do I remember you saying, are you, is it actual family or is it like friend type family? Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner is like friend type family. Yeah. Like I've known him What's since. What's happened to him? I mean, look, we he all got. so skillful. We all got our demons, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and and the thing is, when you come from the inner city, like the thing with Adrian is Adrian's been the same way his whole life. Adrian really comes from a rough area in my city. He comes from a rough area. He's always been the way he's been as a kid and he just hadn't changed much. And. I think a lot of it's the people you keep around you, you know? And Adrian's done the best he could with what he had, and he's made his mistakes along the way. All I can do is hope that he can learn from those mistakes and take these these last years that he has and be able to turn them into something because he was special. You know, he was very special. But, you know, we got this big thing on Ohio fighters. If you look at it, there's no other city or no other state that produces better fighters than, than, than Ohio fighters. Like, look at us right now. Like, you got the Toledo boys taking over. The kid, the, the big big baby, the kid from um, Toledo, Ohio. You got the kid Tiger from Toledo, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Toledo, um, Cincinnati. Like, you go through all those. Go back to the Ray Boom Boom Mancini's and everybody. Ohio produces the greatest fighters. It's just the problem is these are rough areas. These are really rough cities. So it's like these gyms are in the in, in the centers of project housing developments and rough neighborhoods and community centers. So at the end of the day, these neighborhood kids have to go back. They got to go back to their reality every day. So, you know, that's that's tough. And some people can't even can't really understand that. You know, it's so easy for people to say this and say that. But when you grow up in certain things and you don't have people around you, that really have done anything better in their lives and kind of pushing you in a better way. If your mentality isn't mature, it's easy to fall into that trap. And yeah. that's what happens with a lot of guys. Like, boxers aren't educated kids. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They're not. Boxers are taught to fight. You know, they, they don't come. There's no college with boxing. There's no there's no way of building you and educating you along the way, you know. And a lot of the coaches, they're all has-been fighters that didn't make it. They just want to keep kids off the streets. You know, and they're lucky to get a kid or two that makes it. Yeah. So boxes, boxes don't come from an educational background, you know? Yeah. I know you've got your family here, so I know we're going to have to... Yeah, i got a great go in a sec. Yeah. In, in a few minutes, but I need to ask you just these couple okay. of little, little, little questions, okay? So we've got a few major, major mega fights coming up, okay. and I need to get your opinion as okay. a professional boxer. 
Crawford Spence. Spence. Crawford. Who wins? Crawford. How? He's special. Um, I think Errol Spence is, is, a, is a great fighter. I personally, a guy that kind of dissects boxing, Errol Spence is not the same fighter that you saw before his wreck. I don't know why. The Ferrari car, car crash, that one. Well, you got to think. To be honest with you, the first thing that goes in boxing is your legs. And I noticed that at 30 years old myself. I started noticing my legs weren't the same. My feet weren't the same. If you look at Errol Spence against Carol Brook, look at him against Sean Porter. He was good at going in and out, stepping to the side, pivoting. He was very quick on his feet. But if you look at his last two fights against Ugas and Danny Garcia, his feet were stuck in the mud the entire fight. Yeah. That's a sign of a fighter getting old. And that's also sometimes the impact of trauma. You know what I mean? Like the trauma of impact, should I say. So Bud makes so many good adjustments. He does so well. I don't see Bud losing. Anthony Joshua against Dylan White too. Who wins? I think I think we see Dylan stopping him late. I think wow. so. I, I think not so. Not expecting that. I think so. Really? I don't think Anthony Joshua is very confident in himself. He's when you go to three different trainers within a two year two year span. Anthony Joshua is like a very talented front runner, like the kind of guy where he's great as long as he's pummeling you. You get what I'm saying? But when all of a sudden when that pummeling doesn't work and he starts getting hit, it's like, oh, okay, what do I do? What do I do? He doesn't believe in his boxing skills, and he actually has some. Yeah. He just doesn't believe in them. He falls apart mentally. Usyk against the wall. Oh, Usyk, easy. Okay. Usyk's just hard to hit, easy. Fury against Nangano. It's a joke. I don't even want to talk about that. No. It's a joke. That, that to me, that's it's not even a fight. It's not like why, like, like like Fury. Why even be as great as you are just to just to give in to the money side of it when there's other big fighters you could fight for money in boxing. Why put yourself in a position to possibly get caught by a lucky punch from a UFC fighter that doesn't even deserve to share the same ring as you? Just for a paycheck. Mm. That's what I don't respect about what's going on in boxing. Mm. You know? Speaking about UFC, last sort of element, you pivoted from the boxing world and started helping a very uh, successful fighter in Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Why did you start helping the UFC fighter Tony Ferguson? Well, it was actually an accident. Um, his his manager at the time, um, Adi Attar Paradigm. Adi Attar has Conor McGregor and quite a few fighters. There's a lot of fighters. He was a good friend of mine. Him and Saya, um, they had Paradigm. And um, they started off, um, how, did, how did that happen? So they were like sports agents. They were both college football players for UCLA. They were sports agents. They came and tried to basically manage a deal with me or get a deal as a management with me. But at the time, boxers, we don't we don't use sports agents. So we didn't make it work, but we remained friends. Sire, once they before they teamed up, used to be my sponsor with LRG when he was working for LRG. So we stayed in contact. He did a couple marketing deals for me, got me a couple sponsorship deals. Well, they end up calling me and say, hey. We bought this company a couple years later called Strike Force, and we bought all of their fighters. Like, um, we got this fighter, a kid named Tony Ferguson. He's pretty good. He won this UFC thing. I'm like, I know nothing about it. He said, look, he really needs a good boxing coach. Would you would you, would you, you do it? I said, uh, I'm not really into coaching. I got my gym, but I don't really. He said, would you just, just check him out for me? I did it. He was very respectful to boxing. He loved it. He was eager. So... I found a passion in doing it with him and we became close. Started doing it, did it for some years, you know, and Incredible. we formed a brotherhood, you know? Yeah. Last question. I always ask my podcast guests this, this very thing. I came up with a quote a few years back and I try and live by it, it's my mantra. It goes like this, be happy, 
never content. I've got my own interpretation of it. Rashad, hard to hit Holloway. What is your interpretation of be happy, never content? Live with no regrets. Live with no regrets. You know what I mean? You only get one life. So at the end of the day, like your name is all you got. Like, so live with no regrets. That means everything that you do as an adult, like as a kid, we all gonna have our mistakes, but everything you do, once we get to a certain level, you got to remember your name means something and that's what you're going to leave behind. So do it, own it, live with no regrets and be able to accept what comes with it. Thank you. Thank you for your time, brother. My brother. Really, really good to see you. And we'll do a part My two brother. when you're back for 100%. the white fight. The yeah, I'll be back in a few. Yeah? I'll be back in a few weeks. Perfect. We'll All do right. it. And I'll have more time. Yeah, we'll do a part two, a proper for one, sure. yeah? Mm -hmm. Nice one.